you ever been on I-70? Chances are you probably have. But while on it, have you noticed anything unusual? Hey guys, and welcome back to Crime Kooks with your hosts, Rachel. And Emily. And today we will be discussing the I-70 killer, someone who took their work very close to home. For us, at least. Today we will also be having a special guest. Hi. That would be Steven. So, yeah, you watched a video about the I-70 killers, so I figured since you're the one who introduced me to the topic of this guy. I did, yeah. Yeah, I figured we'd have you on to learn a little bit more. All right, so let's start with some background. So, obviously, the identity of the I-70 killer remains unknown. To this day, yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. So, he was thought to actually have gone by a different moniker in Texas, the I-35 killer. So there's the once cold case was recently reopened, hence why we're kind of talking about it now and why there were so many videos made. It was mm-hmm. uh, reopened October of last year. Uh, St. Charles Police Department, exactly. Yeah, and so basically to give some background on what he did, he has actually been linked to at least six murders across three different states, all of, of which occurred in a span of 29 days in spring of 1992. Mm-hmm. So despite this many killings in such a short period, uh, the only thing that was known about the killer was basically his appearance. They knew that he was male, believed to be in a range of 5'7 to 5'9, yeah. thin, and was thought to have short red hair. Yeah, he did. That really takes the population down, because if he's a redhead. But I think there was only a few people that actually, like, might have seen him, though. There was, like, only, like, one eyewitness account. I was to say, yeah. It was actually from, I believe it was the second murder, which was a double murder, which we'll get into later. Um, these were based on, the whole appearance thing was based on sketches from 1992, and he, if he's still alive, that is, is believed to be in a range of 52 to 70 today. So that's a pretty wide range, but they couldn't really tell based on his thing. I think he, they were believed late teens, early 20s when the murders took place. Mm-hmm. So... At the time, he seemed to ta- he seemed to have like this mo. He seemed to target young brunette shop workers. He would take them to the back of the store while they were working, um, and he would shoot them point blank with what the police thought was uh, Irma Work Model ET twenty two pistol. So this is like one of those pistols that's like super long. Um, mm. Yeah, it's yeah, a very distinct 22. gun. Yeah. It has a nearly foot long barrel. So that kind of narrowed down. But the issue was there's only one eyewitness account. So they were never never able to really find evidence that linked to someone who owned a gun like that. Right. So with this gun, we can go into the, the victims. So the first victim was from Indiana. Her name was Robin uh, Fuldauer, who was found shot to death in a Payless store. Remember when those were around? Oh, yeah. Payless. Does that, the, oh, does that wow. chain still even exist? Like, I feel like I don't see them anymore. I don't, I don't, I don't know. know if it's open or not. I think so, yeah. So she was shot to death there. Um, so three days after, so basically they found her and three days after, so this is a really short cool down period. Normally serial killers wait like sometimes up to years between their oh, next yeah. victim. So her body was had been discovered. Um, three days later, two women were found shot to death in a Wichita bridal store, Patricia Smith and Patricia Maggers. Uh, both had stayed late waiting for a customer to show up. So I just gotta say, both of their names are Patricia. I thought I had read it wrong when I was reading the article. I just thought that was weird. It's a little weird. Um, I also thought, mm. like, it was so weird. I mean, I know Wichita probably isn't that far, but he got there so fast and he literally killed two women. Right. Makes you wonder how much, like, thought he put into it, like, planning-wise. Well, I do know that 
actually, well, see, there's a thing about that. It's like he didn't really think probably about like killing the woman. He didn't seem to really put much thought into that. He didn't seem to care, but he did. Yeah. So I do think that he put a lot of thought into where he went though, because he always went to stores that obviously had very feminine names. Like it was a bridal store or like a pottery store. He always made (laughs) sure to go to those sites. He went to places with low security. Sounds like because security camera wise, there wasn't that many because he wasn't seen. Yeah, low security and where he thought women would be working. And Mm -hmm. he, I know it was stated that he did stake them out a little bit. But for the most part, when it comes to the actual murders, he did them very quickly and then just left. He did. So after these women's deaths occurred, the police were actually able to get an eyewitness account. And from there, they developed a composite sketch. So and we already described kind of what he looked like. Obviously, they still never found him despite this because there was like no DNA evidence or anything. So two weeks after the double murder occurred on April 27th, it was at Sylvia Ceramics, again, another feminine sounding store. And mm-hmm. it was in Tara, uh, Tara Hot. <laughs> How do you say that? Tara Hute? Where's it? Where's it? Right next to Indiana. Yeah, well, it was in Indiana, and the I-70 killer murdered his only male victim, Michael McCown. Oh, he killed a, a male? It was actually believed that he did it because he was rushed and he had no option, because I think he was there to kill a woman, but then the man got in the way. Yeah, he probably got caught. Oh, and <laughs> actually, well, it might have been that, but he was there to kill a woman. We do know that. The police were believed, so I'm thinking that he might have done it just because he saw an opportunity, but the police also believe that the killer might have mistaken McCown for a woman because McCown had long hair and the killer saw him from behind. So it could also be that. And his so, hair color was, was, it, was he a brunette? It was a brunette, yes. There you go. So I'm thinking it was one of those two. I don't know. I mean, he might have been small in stature, so that could also be why, or yeah. Mm-hmm. Either way, he either mistook him for a woman or just decided to kill him. Mm-hmm. A week later, he also ended up killing another one of his victims, 24-year-old Nancy Kitts Miller, who was found, who had found to be shot in the back of the store, the Boot Village, just off Interstate 70 at Zumble Road. So those names we've all heard of, so very close to home. And, you know, the worst part about it is she wasn't even supposed to be working that day. She was actually filling in for another employee. Imagine that. That sucks. That happened in the, in the Bogey Plaza, right? I'm pretty sure it did. Because you said it was off Zumbel, right? Yeah, in the Boot Village. I the names might have changed by now, but it was very close. Because when, when was this? You this know was in 1992. 1992. Did all of his killings happen in 1992? Yes. That's what I thought. So four days later, he killed his sixth and final confirmed victim, Sarah Blessing, who, just like the others, was shot to death. This time, though, she was killed in a small store in Raytown. Now, with no definite leads, the case obviously went cold. And throughout the years, however, the victims' families continued to give interviews to different news stations, um, especially the parents of Nancy Kitzmiller, uh, all in the hope of keep it, keeping the case in the public eye. It worked for some time, but eventually they had to claim it a cold case because there was like nothing but the sketch. It makes sense, though, and that was really smart of them to keep offering interviews because the longer you keep it in the public eye, the more public interest you gain. And there's plenty of yeah. people in the world who are like, I'm going to try and solve this case. And they just go for it. So speaking of like trying to solve the case, on to the investigation. So Detective Tim Ralph of the Wichita Police Department actually ended up working the case 28 years ago. He was the one who worked the case of the double murders of the two Patricias. Now, um, 
the police were actually able to obtain the composite sketch from that. And otherwise, pretty much all the other investigations were rather inconclusive. I mean, they had an idea of who it was and that kind of thing, but like what he looked like anyways, but otherwise Mm. they were relatively inconclusive. In the week of November of 2021, though, um, moving more to the present, um, Mm. police officers working the case from various Midwest agencies tasked with finding the I-70 killer held a two-day meeting in St. Charles, Missouri. Mm -hmm. Now, during a press conference that Tuesday morning, officials announced new findings on the case that agencies had been receiving new tips in the past month. It wasn't really disclosed what these new tips were, but it was enough to reopen the case. Interesting. I'm assuming, I I believe it had something to do with another murder occurring that they thought could be linked, which I'm going to talk about a bit later. Okay. So about two weeks before this occurred, the composite sketch showing what the suspect would look like in the present day was released. So it shows him with and without a beard, one at 52, one at 70. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so since then, officials have received new leads and officers from five cities throughout the Midwest met in St. Charles to evaluate and compare their cases. So since the sketch was released, there have been around six new leads produced. Again, none of them were really disclosed on exactly what they were. The police are probably trying to keep it under wraps so the killer doesn't catch wind of it too much. Mm-hmm. And the St. Charles Police Department yielded roughly 50 called-in tips. Uh, chances are it's probably higher now, considering how much buzz is going on around this case. Um, these are statistics from November of 2021. Um, obviously, they haven't found the killer yet, but it's probably definitely helping, I'd imagine. <clears throat> and um, in fact, going back to one of the reasons why the case was reopened, uh, News 4 has actually learned that there may be a dramatic development unfolding. So multiple sources close to the investigation tell News 4 that they are closely looking at a convenience store homicide in the same place as that Indiana place I can't pronounce, Tara Hout or whatever. I'm probably butchering that. Um, But it it occurred in 2001, nearly 10 years after the I-70 killer spree ended. So there are some obvious differences. They can't definitively link it to them, but one of the... uh, cops working the case said that it was potentially able to link. Um, So on Tuesday morning, the police sergeant Troy Davis confirmed to News 4 that there are similarities between the 2001 homicide and the I-70 killings. He even mentioned that there was a person of interest in the case, but obviously, but they're not in custody and he didn't mention them by name. Again, probably trying to keep it under wraps, especially if that person ends up being innocent. Right. So Yeah, so the 2001 case was a convenience store robbery where the killer shot and killed clerk Billy Brosman. So obviously the shooting was a bit similar, convenience store. The thing, and it was actually just uh, occurred just seven blocks from the uh, Indiana 1992 homicide scene. So- But you said the seven in 2001, correct? Yes. Okay. But due to the fact that the victim was a male, um, I'm a little skeptical to say that's them. There are some definite similarities, but I feel like a lot more convenience store killings happen, especially if it was a robbery. Now, we do know that the I-70 killer did sometimes steal some money from the registers after he killed them, uh, the store pe- the people who are working the store, but I still feel like that's not, it seems like this was mostly just motivated to rob the store, not to mention the victim was obviously a male, so we can't really say for certain if it's him. Hmm. Um. And well, this case, you know, it's yet to been solved, as we know. Chances mm-hmm. are, I think that the killer has gone underground. They're either still killing. Um, so it's either in the sense that he went underground and he stopped, or he's still killing now and he just hasn't been caught, or the sense that he went underground in that he was buried six feet under. So, oh. so yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
I was thinking that one could have been one of those situations where it's like, you know, they tried to hold off because, you know, they got it all out of their system, but like it's been 10 years and they're like, ooh, I really need another fix. Some killers are like that. Yes. So I think that's maybe possible. He, you know, serial killers are constantly, you know, changing their MOs. So maybe he did decide to kill a man for once other than, you know, mm-hmm. the one accidental one. So, I mean, it could very well be him. There hasn't been much else talked about with the case since then. I'm hoping that we get some answers soon. Um, but considering that the 1992 investigation pretty much led to nothing, I don't know if we have too much hope, but I guess we can always hope for the families. So mm-hmm. how old would he be right now if he was still alive? So it's believed that he's in a range of 52 to 70. They didn't know his exact age when the uh, killings that's occurred. Yeah, that's a 20 year gap. That's the issue that they don't know his age because from the composite sketch, they couldn't determine his exact age. They just guessed no. he was probably in his like 20s. So mm-hmm. I'd say he's probably 60-ish, he's, if I had to guess. He'd probably still be alive. <clears throat> it's possible. I'm not sure, because, you know. Another thing, though, too, though, as he, you know, starts to get older, obviously, if you're an older person, you got to think about, like, if they're trying to kill someone, he's definitely, if he's, you know, in his 60s, he's not going to be as quick as he was when he, you know, was 20 years ago in his prime, mm-hmm. killing people. So would it even be possible for him to kill mm-hmm. people anymore? What Because... For all we know, he could be in a wheelchair somewhere. Well, that's what we're thinking. That's what I was kind of thinking in the sense that if he is still alive, he might have just gone underground, that he stopped because he either can't continue to do it anymore or something to that effect. Right. And like plot twist, what if he went on to start his own family and the person who killed the person in the convenience store is like his son or something? I mean, that's like, that's like a, that's a criminal minds plot right there. That's a little. But I just, that's kind of out there. But I think that anything is possible and I really am kind of, waiting to figure out what happened you know what a possibility i don't think people have thought of an actual probably people have but multiple people these could be multiple killers this may not just be you know like the one guy from 1992 that 2001 killing it almost sounds a little too random but it may not have been him either it could have been someone that was trying to you know be a copycat Copycat, yeah Mm -hmm. that's what i was thinking as well that's a possibility i'm thinking it probably wasn't him I, I'm definitely agreeing with the possible possibility of a copycat, especially considering a lot of the details, you know, and released by the older. police. So, you know, they wouldn't be exact information. So based on the information they had, they went and tried to copy him. Oh my God, copycat killers make life so much more difficult. They do. I think a lot of look them, out for a new person. A lot of the serial killers out there are technically like copycats in a sense. I mean, like, I get what you mean because they're all killers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not exactly. That's not exactly what I mean. I just mean <laughs> like you hear about all these really fantasized serial killers, like Jack the Ripper, and that inspires people to try new things. Do you know if that case is still open, Jack the Ripper? Isn't it still? No, it's been closed. They actually solved it. I yeah, was like, I was wondering because I know that they kept it open even though he was like, definitely dead. But yeah, they actually oh, figured yeah. out who it was. We actually did an update on the uh, on him and talked about who he was. Which is why Absolutely. you should have hope that you'll find the person. Right. That, that's awesome. Yeah. And the update was on the Zodiac Killer. Oh, yeah. I was about to say, because no, it wasn't we... his name like Gary or something. Yes. I yeah. Know. yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it, we revealed it in the normal episode that his, what his identity was. And uh, if you mm-hmm. want to know, you should check out the podcast. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. But I definitely thought the same thing Steve did whenever he said that um, a lot of killers are, like, serial killers are copycat killers. Um, 
that's not exactly what I meant. No, but I thought the same thing. And if you really like think about it, someone in the world had to be the first person to kill another person, and someone else was like, "Huh, if I'm gonna get rid of someone, that would be a good good idea." idea." Yeah, I like that. Yeah. So, I mean, hopefully, no more copycats pull up and decide to go with this mo. Are they gonna pull up? (laughs) They're gonna pull up. uh, That's why I'm never going to own a store because I'm not about to be one of those brunette Because you're also victims. a tiny young brunette. Yeah. Oh. Yes. <laughs> so never. Don't get a job anytime soon, I guess. Basically, PSA to all the young brunettes, don't own a convenience store. Or work at one. Or, yes. Or yeah, I was going to say one. work at You don't have to own one to die. Yeah. You, know? yeah, you just have to be there. <laughs> you just got to be and working. Mm-hmm. Limited staff. So, yeah. Well, anyways, thanks so much for joining us on Crime Kooks. A uh, special thank you to our guest, Stephen. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, if you want to check out some of our great podcasts, like Jack the Ripper, or you know, hear about Gary the Zodiac Killer, Gary, Gary visit <laughs> visit fhntoday.com/crime to listen in. And while you're on that, you can always check out other podcasts by some of our other great uh, podcasters. But obviously, ours is better. But, uh, obviously, obviously. Well, anyways, you can tune in next time to hear all about Amber Geiger. And again, I'm Emily. And I'm Rachel. And I'm Steven. Uh. All right, say it with us. Don't be stupid and stay safe. We got to say it all in sync. Three, two, one. Don't Don't be be stupid stupid and stay safe. safe. Did I do it on time with you?